0: To paraphrase the scientific American, we've all felt shame at one time or another. Maybe we were teased for mispronouncing a common word or perhaps a loved one caught us telling a lie. Shame is the uncomfortable sensation we feel in the pit of our stomach when it seems we have no safe haven from the judging gaze of others. We feel small, we feel bad about ourselves, and we wish we could vanish. So what is shame and how does it impact us today on the KL Podcast? Hey, everybody, welcome back to the KL Podcast. As always, we're glad to have you back here with us today. And we're going to follow that thread on the conversation we started last week about embarrassment. We're going to take it up a notch. We're going to get a little darker per our 2021 theme. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 or year two theme, I guess it is. And we're going to, uh, we're going to talk about shame. And, you know, we did joke around a lot in the last episode, uh, you know, about some of the funnier moments of embarrassment. Uh, shame is not as funny.
1: No, it's not.
0: There's not, there's not a lot to laugh about on this one. And, um, and I actually, you know, to be honest, guys had a kind of a hard time connecting with a lot of the topics on this. It was just incredibly fascinating. And I loved it intellectually, but personally, I was really having a hard time connecting with it. Where were you guys at on this? Oh, don't worry. Josh and I are full of shame. So we'll carry you.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm juggling those two balls called uh, guilt and shame.
0: And so... <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like I enter shame and then quickly move to guilt. Uh, I don't, I don't know why that is. Uh, I'm interested to, you know, to hear your all's perspective on this, talk more about it, maybe come out, with a bit more perspective, whenever we're done here, so this yeah. is going to be as much for me as it is for anybody else. No worries at all. We have shame to spare. <laughs> <laughs> well, do uh, you go? You want to start with a definition, Tim? You want to start? Just jump right into this thing and say what it? What is shame? Yeah, let's get into it. Um,
1: because let's be honest, there's pretty close relationship between embarrassment, shame, and guilt, and I think when we talk about shame, well, let's start here. So shame is a deeply distressing, uncomfortable emotion. And typically arises when we feel like we've made a mistake, but we'll revisit that later on. I don't think it's always when we've made a mistake, but typically. Right. Um, but in contrast to guilt, it involves feelings of inadequacy, negative self-evaluation, and self-consciousness in response to our error or you know, how we're feeling. So I think the best way to kind of differentiate guilt from shame is guilt is remorse for something that you did. And shame is basically an indictment of who you are as a person. So it's a very harmful emotion, But it's not just I did something bad, it's I am bad. And it's incredibly dangerous for our sense of self-worth and our productivity. And before we get too far down the road, you know, I think it's worth mentioning that Brene Brown certainly has heavy influence on this episode and the next episode, which will be on empathy. Um, Anyone who's familiar with her certainly knows that shame and empathy our topics that she speaks about, you know, as a whole. Um, so we're going to break it up into two episodes. And We felt like embarrassment was a good ramp
0: into that. Um, so that's where we are. Yeah. So if, if embarrassment is the ramp, then shame is like the free fall, you know, <laughs> now that you're up in the air, yeah. how, how does it go from embarrassment to shame? Like, what's the big difference between those two?
1: Well, you know, the the primary piece that I continually read, and I'm not sure if I 100% believe in this, but I think it mostly encapsulates the difference, so I'll go ahead and use it, is that, you know, although embarrassment involves something that you did or an error, shame sometimes or oftentimes revolves around something that could be perceived as morally wrong.
0: Yeah,
1: okay. So it's, it's not just a mistake. It's kind of like you've broken a law of nature, but once again, I don't necessarily think that's all the time. We're speaking at a high level here and uh, I don't think that is all the time.
2: Yeah, I'd I'd agree with a lot of that, Tim, what you said there. I know I identify just in the environment and the household that I grew up in. And we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit later, unpack that a little bit more. But when you talk about it being associated to a moral issue about you know, whether it's doing something bad or you are bad, right? Or being bad. Um, you, you know, we, again, we'll talk to that a little bit later, but, you know, carrying that or if that's ingrained in you early, I mean, it's easy to carry that throughout your adulthood.
0: Let's get into that now. Don't you think we should? I mean, let's talk about where it comes from because you're talking about, you know, it starts at home when you're a kid and the way you're raised. Maybe it's, maybe it's. You know the in the environment you're raised in beyond just your family, the the culture, the neighborhood, the schools. I mean, is that is that is that where this begins?
1: I think our
0: upbringing certainly can influence
1: our relationship with shame, so it can make us more apt to feel shame. I you know I think it's important to say, even though Henry doesn't understand it, most people. Experience shame, and I actually think Henry has too. He's just having a hard time finding it. Uh, but you know, most people experience shame regardless of who their parents were or how they were brought up. I just think it, I think our childhood can influence how deeply and how often we feel shame. I think it's important to say that,
0: yeah. I, 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 and you're right, Tim. I, I mean, I, it's not that I don't feel or haven't experienced shame, I'm just having a hard time right and, and maybe maybe it's you know maybe it, it is actually because of some of these some of these byproducts of shame that create bigger issues the fact that shame is something that people are less likely to want to expose about themselves as opposed to an embarrassment which typically feels a little bit lighter shame feels a little bit heavier even though like you said it may be morally reprehensible it may not be and you know it's it's all a matter of how you're responding to the moment the thing that impacted you that created this feeling it's yeah. to me it's it sounds almost like the difference between a parent saying i expect more from you and you're not good enough right exactly yeah, yeah. so i mean they mentioned culture they
1: mentioned families and they mentioned traumatic events. And, you know, I think culture and families maybe go together just a little bit. But the example that we read about said, if you were shamed as a child for crying or expressing emotion, then as an adult, if you cry or express emotion, then it could really make you feel shame. And that's yeah. one quick example, but I think it's a good one. And then, you know, in regards to trauma, they kind of, you know, some of the material jumped all over the place a little bit. But if there's a traumatic event and you somehow felt responsible for the incident, then you could carry shame for a really long time. So I think maybe chronic shame, although those words, I didn't read those words, but if you just have these really deep, long lasting feelings, they could possibly come from culture, family or or a traumatic event.
2: Yeah, you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but, you know, talking about families and upbringing, you know, one of the things that I can remember and not exact instances, but verbiage like, good people do this, right? And bad people do this, right? And Mm. and that's not true, right? Because good and bad people do both of those things throughout their life, right? And it's just part of being human. But when things are defined that way, it's easy to carry guilt or, I mean, shame, whenever you fall into that bad bucket, right, or activity. Um, and so, you know, again, when you carry that growing up and then you become an adult, it's, it's super easy to just, it, it, it travels with you, right? And it's, reading through this, I mean, it's something that I've experienced before, but reading through it really solidified it for me. Like even with my own kids, I really try not to use absolute language, right? And because of these reasons, you know, like I'll give you an example. My youngest son, he, he is not, his strength is not picking up his room. You know what I mean? Even if if I'll tell him in the morning, Hey, you got to straighten up your room. He's going to get distracted within 30 seconds. He's going to do something else. And I need to remind him. Right. And if I get to the end of my rope and I'm upset, I'll say something like you always X, Y, and Z. Right. And you always X, Y, and Z. And like I need to stop that verbiage. And I catch myself most of the time because I don't want that to become a definition in his head, right? I don't want him to identify himself as always this or only that. And so yeah. that, that's something I've had to work on. Yeah,
0: I yeah. feel like, uh, you know, you're talking about traumatic events from, from growing up. It makes me think about, and we probably know people who are in this position, but I think more often than not, this feels like a Hollywood version of kids whose parents divorced and the kids feel like, was it my fault? Did I do something wrong? Is that why the parents divorced? And that's one that um, I think it's, I think it's a little more common now. Divorce is more common now than it was maybe whenever we were kids, but um, uh, that's one I, th- I think that people can carry around some shame that people can carry around with them throughout their life. Well,
1: yeah. And then, you know, the other side of that coin, I think there's a lot of parents Rome in the countryside who feel shame about some wrong turn that their kids took, you know, not necessarily, you know, I'm not talking about elementary age kids, but adult kids, I think it's very natural for a parent to deeply feel that and wonder right. if they were somehow responsible for, you know, where their child ended up and not necessarily, but the
0: feeling is still the same. I do love that image, though. Parents roaming the countryside—they're
1: <laughs> out there. Man. They're Look out!
0: out Look out for these ashamed
1: parents littered across the landscape. They're looking for shameful parents. Oh my god! Let's talk for a second about you know. Josh kind of started heading in that direction, but how does shame manifest itself? You know, one of the most powerful pieces that I read as we prepared for this was. That shame is a self perpetuating phenomenon. When we're in shame, it's hard to extract ourselves from it, both in the moment and within a larger lifelong pattern of feeling unlovable, unworthy, or defective. But what does that look like? You know, I think there's external shame and there's internal shame. Let's talk about external shame for a second and how it impacts us.
2: Yeah, you know, I would say for me, Tim, it's, <laughs> we, we saw a list of things there, right? And, and I checked the box on a few of those for sure. Um, and, and, you know, for me, generally, it's going to look like anger or blame. Um, and that's just me personally, right? And I've seen that a lot in others. Um, you know, one of the other quotes, they, they talked about whenever harboring shame, and I thought it was really good. It says, it's a soul eating emotion. And. I've, I've found myself in that space, right? When there's a particular thing that I've just carried with me. And, and if I step outside of myself and I'm looking at it and, and thinking about it, it man, it, it eats you up for sure. And it, 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 shapes into who you are, but that, that's how I've seen it for me personally, right. Is, uh, in, in those two areas. But, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot more where it comes into play.
1: Yeah. When I was reading those external examples, Josh, It reminded me of several episodes ago when you said, Hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Because, you know, you feel shame and then, you know, you blame other people, you feel angry, you know, shaming others, which is nothing to joke about, but, you know, that's almost become a bit cliche uh, because. A lot of times, anytime someone doesn't agree with you, you know, what we say now is they're shaming me. Um, and I don't think that's an accurate portrayal of the word, but it is very harmful to shame others uh, for something they're doing, but also controlling behavior as well. But I'll tell you, I connected a lot more to a, the internal examples. Yeah. Because when I personally feel shame, I get very perfectionist. I want every single piece to be in place. And I also withdraw. Yeah. I want to be in isolation. I don't want anybody to talk to me, which is the opposite of what you should do. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But my reaction to shame is put me in a room and lock the door, no talkie i don't want to have communication with anybody
0: the ways that i identify with the internal shame are addiction and feelings of worthlessness and those two things become self perpetuating where you yeah. you know you kind of go down this road of eating too much drinking too much buying too much and then feeling bad about yourself for doing those and that creates more shame that then puts you right back at the top of that cycle all over again. And that's where, yeah. that, you know, that's an example. Of, I mean, me being embarrassed, I don't have that kind of response when I'm embarrassed, but I can see how I've probably felt ashamed of myself and had a much heavier, much more dangerous even response to those feelings. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, you make such a great point, Henry, because
1: it is a downward spiral. There's a trigger that sets the whole thing off that we feel shame about. And then just, as you said, we, you know, sometimes we engage in shameful behavior as a response to the shame. And then we feel shame about that behavior and we are just spiraling downward. So it's so important that we recognize those feelings as early as possible and start taking measures, you know, to make ourselves healthy. We'll, yeah. we'll get to how we handle it in a few minutes.
2: One other thing I would share, Tim, before we we kind of move on is we, we've really kind of focused on the on the impacts to self, right? or you know, some of the projecting of it as well. But you know, as part of being the leadership podcast and you know whether it's a leader in your home or leader in the workplace, I think it's important to call out too that you know even if, as it's self-perpetuating and it gets you deeper and deeper into that hole, uh, one of the lines that i read is that shame is contagious, right? And, yeah. and I think it's important to call that out because, you know, in several of our conversations, we say that people take on the characteristics of their leader, right? Or whatever it is that I'm projecting or that I'm modeling, your your people will follow that or your family will follow that. And so I, I think it's important to look at it through those lenses as well to say, you know, whether you're on the giving or the receiving end of it, it's a, uh, it, I like that they use the word contagious, right? Because you can project it on other people.
1: One of the pieces that I thought was really interesting, and I agree with it a hundred percent just to kind of put a bow on the workplace is that shame impacts our sensitivity to criticism.
2: Yeah. I Um, like that.
1: So when we're feeling shame and someone provides even constructive criticism to us, it feels like an attack. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of the coin, As a leader, it affects our ability to provide criticism because we're more likely to actually attack someone. So really throws us off the tracks uh, when we're trying to conduct our work as a leader in the workplace.
0: Yeah. Well, Tim, that's so, so important because think about how this could be compounded. If you're a leader and you're talking to one of your reports and you're giving them that constructive feedback like you're talking about, that person, let's say that person already feels like they're in over their head. They may not be, but they feel they are. They feel that they're an imposter. You are about to deliver them this this feedback that they're incredibly sensitive to. They start to disagree with you. You start to argue with them. Their feeling becomes validated in some way. All these things that are stacked on top of this person emotionally are weighing them down. And again, they're right back into that spiral. And it becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy for them. Yeah, I think you're right. I'll tell you
1: a really interesting piece of this, and I could identify with it, and I hate that I could, but it's true, is that shame rears its head when you least expect it. And that is when things are going good.
2: Good. Yeah. That was, what do you, tell
1: me what you mean by that. Well, for a while there, as we were preparing for this, I was thinking, well, certainly I've felt shame sometimes from, for my behavior, but I don't think I'm harboring deep shame just on the regular. I don't think my shame meter is revved up just as I go through life. And then I read this piece that said, (laughs) That said, when things are going well, either in a relationship or in life, if you're harboring shame, a natural feeling is, I don't deserve this. And things are going to go bad because they can't stay good forever. And I feel that sometimes. I have That's like such a, when, I, when I'm in a good state of life, I always tell myself, things could change. Things could change. It's, it's only temporary. And I can't, I have a hard time living in the moment and appreciating, man, things are so good right now because I almost feel superstitious about it. Like I can't acknowledge that things are good because the universe will punish me for that. If I say things are good, I have to act like I am fully aware things could go terrible at any moment. And as long as I acknowledge that, then the universe will be kind to me. But right. it's so strange that they said that because, man, I feel that and I hate that I feel that. But I do. I do.
2: There you go. I'm going to I'm going to have to dig into that, Tim, for myself, honestly, because I, I really do identify with that also. Um, and I need to find out now if that's a product of shame or, or, or guilt. But when when life is at its peaks, I, I don't allow myself to go there emotionally. And that's yeah. the, that's the dialogue I go through as well is like it's not going to stay here. You know, life is in the middle. I always tell myself, so there's no reason to spike. There's no reason to dip on the flip side of that. Right. So anyhow, I I need to dig into that for myself.
1: Yeah. It's (laughs) it's negative. Self-talk is what it is, Josh, which is a key characteristic of shame. I mean, negative self-talk is like bullet point. Number one, if you are feeling shame, you have negative self-talk and it's self-doubt that you can maintain this. You know, it's almost like, Oh man, Somehow I ended up in this position. I'm certainly not worthy, but I ended up in this position of happiness. Um, Self-sabotage is also another characteristic, which fortunately I've knock on wood been able to stay away from that.
2: (laughs) There you go. There you go. But you 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 know, know
1: you just got to think, Josh, the, The you know, one of the things that I was thinking since you identify with this there's people out there, I feel like, who are able to appreciate that high point and that happiness. Yeah. And then they grab the peak and they build on it to take it even to the next level. <laughs> and that's not me. Yeah. Because you, <laughs> just that said, crazy. You, you just said life is ups and downs. It's ups and downs. So, And yeah. I said peak. And so that would imply that we feel like there's a top and there's a bottom. Right. Not like there's an infinite, Top, you know, like we could just keep going. It could get better and better and better. We're like, no, no, yeah. we're at the top of the radar, which means we will head down <laughs> shortly. Yeah. And that's such an interesting mindset, man. It
2: is, it is. Because if I think about other aspects of my life, I've all I even use the verbiage, I need to reestablish my baseline, right? Whether it's career-wise, <laughs> career-wise or pay-wise, I'm like, hey, I need to take this step because it re-establishes my baseline. But I guess I should do that with my overall life, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But hey, Tim, really quick, you you talked about, you know, negative self-talk, which is a real thing. And and I got to tell you, when I was reading through that, I I got a little bit emotional even. And I linked it back to what I was talking about, the way I I address my kids. Right. And not using absolutes of, you know, you always do this. Right. Or it's always this or never this. Right. And when I when we were reading through that and I put that negative self-talk through their heads, right. Because of the words I said, I was like, gosh, man, I felt like sometimes I'm just gift wrapping, gift wrapping shame for them to carry the rest of their lives. And so it's, it's real, man. You, you, you have to really, you know, go through that thought process to understand the, understand the downstream effects of what you're possibly doing, you know, intentionally or unintentionally.
0: Yeah good. Hey, Tim, you, you mentioned earlier that shame isn't always connected to something that you've done wrong. Sometimes it can be a feeling. What did you, what did you mean by that? Can you talk more about it?
1: Yes. Thanks for asking. So it, it reminded me of the imposter syndrome episode where we were talking about a new employee that was feeling imposter syndrome, Henry. And you said, well, they're just a new employee. They're not an imposter. And Josh and I said, but it's the feeling The feeling is real. And that's what it reminded me about, because I'll tell you a specific instance where I didn't do anything wrong, certainly didn't do anything morally wrong, and I felt a lot of shame. There's a sequence in my life where I interviewed for two jobs in a very tight window, and I didn't get the first one, and I took it pretty hard, took it pretty hard. Um, I was feeling pretty bad about myself, but then the second one, I felt like I was perfect for, I was the best candidate. I knew it. And I was getting all kinds of great feedback throughout the interview process. You know, it's like a five interview process. I was getting all this great feedback. And then I did not get the job and I felt so much shame and bear with me here because I hadn't necessarily done anything wrong. But the feelings of I am instead of I feel, it was very much a self-indictment. The feelings that I had were I am not marketable. I am not desirable. And then I immediately connected that to what did I do that made me so unmarketable and so undesirable? And what was my reaction? I'll tell you what my reaction was. This is textbook, man. I identified with this a lot. My reaction was to withdraw. And specifically, I knew a lot of people at the companies that I that I was interviewing with. And I didn't want to talk to them. Because even though I still to this day believe like I really represented myself well in those interviews, and I think I did a great job. And honestly, in one of those one of those processes, I think I was the best candidate by far. I did not want to talk to those people that I knew at that company because I felt shame that I hadn't got the job because I felt like they had identified me as somebody who's not desirable and not, not a good candidate. And I didn't want to face anybody. I didn't want to talk to them about it. I just completely withdrew. And that's not healthy. You got to talk about it. But that's an instance where I didn't necessarily do anything wrong, but I felt a lot of shame but it's worth mentioning two other little pieces to that. For, so for starters, you know, I dug around enough when I recovered, when I got back on my feet, and in both instances, the person that was hired had a long-standing previous relationship with the hiring manager. You know, maybe they were a better candidate than me, maybe not. But that is what got him over the hump, and I didn't have that. So there was something in there that I hadn't known about. You know, there was an explanation, but The other thing that I thought was really interesting, because I was trying to decide when we were preparing for this, where that shame specifically came from. And a lot of it came from the feedback session in the first interview process, because the leader said to me, and I hate this so much, he said, I don't want to set you up for failure by giving you this job. And that is such an awful thing to say to somebody.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, for starters, I wasn't going to fail. But let's get away from that. Even if he thought I was, that's just a bad thing to say. And so, yeah. you know, and I'm not sitting here trying to like, you know, let's dogpile on this guy. I'm saying we learn from that as leaders. You know, yeah. we, we see great behavior. Let's let's try to, you know, replicate it. We see bad behavior. Oh, man, let's stay away from that. Telling somebody that by awarding them a job, you would be setting them up for failure is just ugly. And you don't know that It's a bad thing to say. Right. And that was a trigger that started that whole, that whole shame spiral.
0: Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's tough to, I mean, it sounds like you've, you've thought through it and you've been able to to deal with it, but, uh, do you still talk to these people?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, they, and I'll tell you just that, and that's another thing we can learn from is how the people on the other side of it handled it, because I think they realized that I was in this really bad place over it. My friends, you know, not who I had interviewed with, I don't talk to them, but I didn't know them, but just like a month after I hadn't, you know, I hadn't gotten the job, then my good friend at that company just sent me a text and just said, I miss you. I mean, just like that, three words <laughs> diffused that whole thing and brought me out. And, you know, I think that's kind of shows us how the smallest little hand, you know, the smallest little um, gesture can bring somebody out of some really deep emotions. It's yeah. powerful. Yeah.
0: The little things, man. Well, let's talk about that because I think that's where we need to go next. I think we need to figure out I agree. how to how to stop shame from taking you off of your peak and how to help, you know, how to get your mind trained to keep going up and up and up. I love when you guys were talking about that. So yeah. let talk about taming it. the shame. tame the shame. Henry.
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm telling you, I this was good for me. The, the whole exercise was good for me, but, you know, revisiting childhood was something that was called out. And that's, I mean, that's been like, key to my life in the last year where I'm really <laughs> identifying why I feel certain ways and why I react certain ways. And, you know, we, we talked about taking ownership in a previous conversation and, it, you know, what what you experience doesn't have to be moved forward, right? Or you don't have to pass that on. And I'm telling you, man, it has been like front and center in my life. And I'm, my, my oldest son is 17 and my youngest is 13. And I'm now, you know, redirectioning the way I parent as a result of that. And so it's, it's been a good exercise for me to just revisit my childhood and understand there was there was a lot of goodness there. Right. But there were some things that I needed to change and reframe my mindset on as well. Um, another Have you thing- done that
1: by yourself, Josh? Is that just like this, this, this exercise that you do alone or do you talk with someone about it?
2: Mostly by myself, I I will say I got kicked off through some therapy, right. And talking to a counselor and and that, that wasn't a specific action that she gave me was, Hey, you know, revisit your childhood and see what's causing this, That, 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 that wasn't prescriptive of her, but in me just unpacking what I was going through. And we talked about that earlier too, as a part of grief and, you know, losing my parents and, and, you know, trying to cope through that and get through that. It, it just kind of opened it up for me. Like, I don't want to call it consciousness, but man, floodgates opened up and I needed to let all of that out. And that caused me to think through those things and, you know, remember things that I had forgotten and, and really try to understand why I was, why I am who I am today and what parts of those I want to keep and what parts of those I want to change. And so it's, it's been, it's been tough, but I can say it's been fun too. And, and I genuinely hang my hat on that, and and it's something I'm proud of to say. Hey, my oldest son is almost out of the house, you know, quote unquote, you know, to go to college. For all I know, he'll stay here and go to college. But
1: they never leave the house for good. <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> but, but but I love that I'm I'm reframing my my parenting, even kind of this this late in in his life, and so that that's yeah. been really cool. Um, the other thing is, you know, know your triggers, and we've talked about that about several episodes, whether, you know, it's anger or anything, you know, any of the other things we've talked about, you've got to have enough self-awareness to know your triggers, right? And and try to stop it. Uh, another thing we said was capturing your thoughts. It's in that same vein, like know what's going to take you there and stop it before you get there.
1: Yeah. The thing I love most about what you just said, Josh, and I think it's important to note, you know, we've mentioned therapy a lot of times during our episodes and how valuable we think it can be. And I think sometimes maybe someone who hasn't gone to therapy thinks they are signing a lifetime contract. You went to one therapy session. I'm sure you went to more than that, but there was a specific session that got this ball rolling. And now you have this exercise that's been really healthy for you personally, but that just set off the motion. So it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're going to therapy, like you're going to be tied up every Tuesday for the rest of your life. Maybe you just need somebody to quickly point you in the right direction. And I think yeah. that's worth noting.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the analogy that I would give is it's, it's the spark that started the fire, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. no, good, Josh. When I looked at the ways to cope with shame, I'll tell you the two that just really spoke to me, and they're what I use. Um, and I feel like I manage shame pretty well, but I lean on, well, for one, I change the way that I'm talking to myself. Um, one piece that jumped out to me was turn that negative self talk into a trusted coach and an inner critic that is kind. And so we just changed the way that we talk to ourselves. And that's, I always have an inner monologue going. So that can actually shape my moods as I move through life. You know, how am I talking to myself? It's a real thing. Um, And the other piece was to talk about shame with people that you trust.
2: Yeah.
1: And so, you know, as I said, my instinct is, I don't want to talk to anybody. That's not the right thing to do. But you have to find somebody that you trust. And it's so interesting. We have this common denominator among all these episodes and all these emotions, which is find someone that you trust that you can talk to. And, you know, that is just critical. You have to have people in your life that you trust that you can talk to and be that person for other people as well.
2: Right. Yeah. The, the way they framed it up that I really liked him is they said, you know, seek connection and, and said connection is the antidote to shame, um, which, man, that was so true. When I read that, I was like, that is so true. Right. I mean, when I've talked to somebody about what was shaming me, it, 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 it just I don't say demystifies it, but it, it lessens it. Right. Because they didn't react the way I thought they were going to react or they've brought perspective into it. Um, and then it also said that it shines a light on it. And then it, it quoted—I it didn't quote, but it said, "Shame grows in the darkness." And yeah, and I related to that a lot, like you said, right? Because when you isolate or you you, you kind of you know pull away, it amplifies that shame grows. And so it, there was so much truth when I read that. It said, "Shame grows in the darkness," so you have to shine a light on it.
1: Yeah, so good, Josh. And you know, you mentioned connection, which is clearly critical, and then you know the the other thing that i will just add on there shameless plug for our next episode my god <laughs> is that empathy
0: is an antidote for shame and we'll get into that next time yeah well i feel like i've just been a third wheel here on your all's shame date so why don't we go ahead and close this thing down uh, tim what do we learn today well i think that we learned Shame is one of the most corrosive
1: human emotions, and it has the power to convince us that the negative voice in our head is right. Um, It's an excruciating feeling and a universal one. Rich or poor, overweight or thin, successful or struggling, we all experience shame from time to time. It can shut us down and emerge in ways destructive to ourselves and others, so it's critical that we learn how to cope with it. Talk about your shame with people that you trust, monitor your inner voice, and refocus your energies and thoughts on your own
0: personal accomplishments. Good luck out there. To counter the dangerous effects of shame, first, know your triggers. You may need to revisit your childhood. You may need to reparent yourself. Definitely work with a trusted advisor for support. Oh, check in next week when we discuss empathy for more kl podcasts
1: visit kindleadershipproject.com follow us on
2: linkedin or find us on your favorite streaming service this podcast is an expression of the views of kind leadership and its team we're always open for discussion so find us on social media and give us your thoughts